Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Good morning. Welcome to Fantasy Sports Today, right here on your favorite 24-hour news, sports, gambling, and fantasy information channel, SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. It's great to be with you here as we get the weekend rolling here on this Friday, the 29th of May. I am Craig Mish, along with Joe Pizzapia, as we bring you the latest that is going on in our wide, wacky world of sports. Unfortunately, not a ton happening, and really the unfortunate uh, situation that uh, continues here with Major League Baseball was, uh, you know, a fear of mine that we would get to this point where Social media would take over, and certainly, Joe, uh, that's kind of the case as we head into the weekend, hoping for some uh, good news. But in this day and age of social media, no one's ever going to be nice. No one likes anything on Twitter as it is, so I can only imagine the uh, the sentiment now here for a few days. Well, I mean, just yesterday we were talking about how it seems like everybody had retreated to their corners, and sometimes quiet means people are working behind the scenes and progress is being made, and then... Of course, Max Scherzer yesterday kind of uh, dropped his tweet there. And um, look, I, I think that's the sentiment. The sentiment is the, the players kind of feel as though that they already took their reduction. They agreed to their reduction. And now they're going to hold the owners to that initial agreement. Now, one could say that, you know, well, we're in a different space now economically of what's going on. And then they could make lots of arguments that it should be reevaluated. But this is a problem, too, when you go to somebody too soon, not knowing all of the facts or, or like if you go to make a trade, right. And you don't realize all of the, the integral parts that go into it before you make that trade. And then you keep trying to add pieces to that trade to make that piece work. And you just kind of end up spinning your wheels. Uh, the, the tweet for those of you who did not hear it after discussing the latest developments with the rest of the players, there's no reason to engage with MLB in any further compensation reductions. We have previously negotiated a pay cut in the version of prorated salaries and there's no justification to accept a second pay cut based upon the current information and the, that the union has received. I am glad to hear that other players voicing the same viewpoint and believe MLB's economic strategy would be completely uh, would completely change if all documentation were to become public information. That's from Max Scherzer. So I feel like every day we kind of go from 51% to 49 of they're going to be a, a season, and then it kind of flip-flops to that other way. Uh, where's your percentage now after that tweet? Are you thinking this is the last salvo before we go back to negotiations and the owners say, all right, already, just go play, here's money? Or do you think uh, maybe just maybe the owners kind of stick to their guns and we end up not having a baseball season? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it will get worked out. Again, part of negotiation, as ugly as it is in mm-hmm. everything. And you know what? It's nice when it's not everything, but in life, it it is really the reality that, you know, essentially the employee, the employer wants to pay the employee as little as possible to put more money in his own pocket. And so essentially sending a low ball offer to the players, more or less to me states, okay, we know they're not going to accept this, but they'll come back to something that's a little bit more reasonable. Now, I know from a player's perspective, they're basically saying at this point that they're unwilling to do anything else except for what was agreed upon. Mm-hmm. Uh, they probably should cave a little bit. The owners should cave a little bit, and they should get this figured out. From an owner's perspective, I've thought about this, and it does seem to me to appear that the owners, uh, for the most part, should be taking one on the chin for sure. They're billionaires, and at the very least, what they should be doing is recognizing that break-even is fine, not making money is fine, and if you end up donating money, which is essentially what you're doing, I mean, a lot of people are donating money in this pandemic, too, and Mm -hmm. I think that they would be donating it to a good cause. So from an owner's perspective, I certainly understand that. And from a player's perspective, look, I get their point, too. I've had a lot of players that I've talked to over the last 24 hours who were texting me, we're not budging, and, um, you know, this is, you know, they they better get this fixed because it's not going to happen. But I think in the end... We'll have some sort of agreement. I do think that uh, Scott Boris is clearly trying to get involved in this as well. Um, you know, and, and my relationship with Scott is pretty good. But at this point, like I'm not, you know, they released like somebody released yesterday, I guess, uh, a memo of 
of uh, of Scott basically telling his employees to hold pat his uh, his his players, make sure you stand for what you got, make sure you stand for what you believe in, and mm-hmm. and essentially don't back down from what the owners you guys made a deal. And and look, he's not wrong there. He's not wrong. They did make a deal, uh, and the owners are you put themselves in a bind there. It is this is kind of a bigger meta question I have for you too. The next labor union agreement is at the end of 2021. Am I correct in saying that? Yep. Yep. How much of that looming? That's a factor here. Yeah. I was just going to say that, that puts this in a weird perspective for both sides where everybody's looking at and saying, well, you know, what if there's another labor? Sh-? I mean, could you, <laughs> I'm trying to think, I this is a terrible, terrible concept to even fathom, but let's say they don't get a deal done. And then let's say next year, the, they still can't reach an agreement on the labor contract when I mean, they do go back and play and something happens and, my goodness, the two years of sort of chaos and the labor unions of baseball know. was just be yeah. it would be madness. I, I, I mean, don't think they want it, but I don't rule anything out anymore. I've I've uh, I've strayed from that. So I mean, I, I I do think that in the next week or two it will get worked out, and I I think that there will be baseball. You know, clearly we all wanted there to be a hard deadline, and I and I think that would have been the best way to do it. Would have been to set it for essentially today, the 29th or even June 1st, but June 1st was clearly a very soft deadline because I don't see it being done by then. And so then we're looking at, you know, getting into the draft time. And I can tell you that what Major League Baseball does not want is uh, on their draft to basically announce that there's going to be no baseball season. So uh, Mm, I would point. Is that become the default date now? Some people have said it's a soft date still Mm. because, again, they still believe that they could come to an agreement, but I know this sounds crazy, late in June – and tell all the players, essentially, first week of July, report, do three weeks of spring training in July, start at the end. They could still get their 80 games in with double headers. So Ooh, um, this, this could drag. This could drag. Double headers would be, I mean, that talk about wreaking havoc on a fantasy season, right? How how much double headers can really, I mean, we're already in a shortened season. Imagine this fantasy season's already a joke. So we have to just I guess. You know, play, play, have some fun with it, you know, just. You know, Play a lot of DFS because I'm telling you right now, that's probably the best way to approach it to take I really each day don't even know. on its own. But then even the DFS slates, how crazy that's going to be because you're going to have potential, you know, day and night slates with the double maybe, head. Or maybe they just play regular. We, we don't know. But it, but anything that we did, I just can't believe that there was any argument to have any relevancy to any of those drafts in, in March. I mean, I've been pounding the pavement on that, but it's I just think difficult people... to get, get 15 people to agree to redraft because. Inevitably, there's half the league that really likes their team, and other half that doesn't. And you oh kind of, yeah, oh yeah, for sure. But the right thing to do is to is to redraft. I think in keeper, the right thing to do is also just well, to put that's this a little in there. harder. Well, but I'm well, but I think it needs to be addressed. We are fantasy sports today. We we've talked a lot of sports, but not a lot of fantasy because there hasn't been a lot of fantasy. No. But just from that perspective, I would say my my um, my advice, I would think, out there to the dynasty and keeper leagues that have those those salaries that every year increase where you have, you know, the escalators, I would put a freeze on that this year going forward into next year. Cause I think it's unfair when people bid in auction leagues or what have you, and you have escalating salaries and you didn't have that player for an entire year. I don't think that's cool. I think you should put a freeze on escalators for a season and just restart the clock on everybody next year. That's, that's my opinion. I don't know if you agree or disagree, but I think that's the most. Yeah, the I, mean, I, I could go with that. I mean, it sounds reasonable. I mean, I, I, I think that, I mean, we still, I would like to know exactly what the parameters for, for this potential season is. I mean, that maybe it does become 115 games. I mean, I don't know. I'd like to, I'd like to know all this information beforehand. And the other thing that I'd like to say is that, look, I got the ultimate respect uh, for people who draft and all of this stuff. And, and I would, and it's, and it's a fine line. I'm going to walk here on this one because I do respect the people at the NFBC as well. And I understand the NFFC and I understand they're putting on, um, you know, they're really helping the industry with the amount of drafts that they do. Absolutely. But I would also say that in some way they needed to stop live draft. They needed to stop those drafts and taking people's money for drafts uh, sooner than they did. I, I really I really think that there's no, I don't think that there is going to end up being any skill in any of those NFBC drafts. And the ADP is worthless, I think, from well, March. they didn't twist their arms into I mean, uh, I know they, didn't, they didn't twist their arms, but you know but, what? I mean, like that... if you're a player and you want action, you're gonna find that action. So at the end of the day, it's I don't put it on the responsibility of the folks who run yeah, NFBC. Yeah, you know what? You're right. You're I put right. it on the responsibility of the players to say, well, yeah. I don't think you're wrong. I think, I think no, you can right. justify. You're right. They're out. running a business, and and they have to make money. And if people are dumb enough 
to to sign up and play. <laughs> well, where's your discipline? Then that's saying, on them. It's that you're I'm absolutely gonna put right. I'm going to put $1,000 to I'm going to change my opinion on that. Oh, my God. Did, oh, my goodness. Did this just – No, you're right. In, in thinking it through, it, 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 <laughs> no, it, as I'm thinking it through, it, it bothers me more uh, that, that, that in this time, honestly, that people are losing their jobs – and they're on furloughs, and and I get it. Everyone needs to spend some money in this community and and in life to bring us back. And if gambling is your thing, then so be it. Because essentially, and you could, uh, you know, no one's a better expert on that subject than me. But you basically in the NFBC gambled your money. I mean, that is what you did. You have you none of what, what you did there. And 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 maybe from their perspective, they were saying, hey, you know what? I'm smart enough to take advantage of the situation. Or maybe they're the kind of people that. Just take advantage of what? Well, that they could say it's a. Sh- I, I know what I'm getting into in this weird season, and I think I have a plan to attack it. And w- and if it ends up being well, 81 games, we didn't games, even I, know how many games or, uh, or who's uh, well, going to play. Well, I, I can tell you this: that weekend of Tout Wars drafts, I had a pretty good idea we were not starting the season on time, and I was. I that's why I have Giancarlo Stanton at fourteen dollars in Tout because I was willing to go there because I thought, well, by the time we have a season, he'll be healthy again. There are certain things and certain approaches I think you could have had, but man, oh man, I think you know. For those people who went in there, you had to go in there with eyes wide open, right, to know what you're getting into. I, I suppose by late so. March. I suppose so. But but it was really I then I then I want to say that it was really foolish, for if, if you weren't just doing it for entertainment and that listen, if your main form of entertainment is fantasy, and that is your basically uh, extra money, and that is your discretionary income, and it is no different to me than gambling. If that's what you choose to do, I mean, you gamble, you're not going to win, but. For the most part, you're not winning, but it's entertaining you. And if that is your form of entertainment and that's the money that you put toward it, then so be it. You're right. The NFBC is running a business. They are. And they're in the business of making money. Um, and and if I was in their business and I had to make money, too, for my business, I, I would say, come on in, dummies. Let's everybody run in and so you could all lose. I w- I, you know what? I, w- I would have probably done the same thing if this was my business. But um but I, but but seeing those drafts go down in March and I think into April, to me was, it was it was, I don't know what the word for it was. It was um, it it hurt me. It hurt me to see that because I just knew at that time like there's a lot of people just throwing their money away in this thing. So. Yeah, good catch by the way. Thank you. <laughs> Thank in case you. anybody when a, light, was, when a light goes down in the office, you got to catch it. Well, so. I mean, just, <laughs> just in case anybody Great was way worried <laughs> about the reactions of, <laughs> of Craig Mish still, he's still got their quick reaction time. So don't sneak Great up on Craig Mish during a draft. Don't sneak up on Craig Mish in the middle of a segment. He will don't, cut don't throw the lights on me in the middle of a show. And look, I'm <laughs> hanging on to it as we end. Like you know, maybe we should extend this segment. Maybe we no, should go for another 25 you know, we're very minutes. Lucky. We're very lucky we're at the end. I only have one hand. I don't even know if this is even usable. But if it is, let's oh. do this. Let's take a time out here on the show on Fantasy Sports today. Let me get my lights back going. We'll be back with Fantasy Sports birthdays and this day in Fantasy Sports after I fix my light. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe with you here on the 29th of May. Closing out the month of May has been something that I've been dreaming of for the past month. Unfortunately, I don't know what we have to look forward to in June, but hopefully something in terms of sports outside of some MMA, some NASCAR, some wrestling, some charity golf. Let's let's get some real sports going hopefully this month of June. And of course, Joe and I will be right back here for our Fantasy Sports Today weekend edition of the show. It'll be on Saturday morning. And Sunday night, so those of you who watch us on SportsGrid, SportsGrid.com, Pluto TV, Zumo TV, or Stir, and soon on uh, on the Roku device. I know Pluto TV is now on Roku, so very soon we'll be on there as well. Looking forward to uh, having you guys aboard, however you are watching the show. Also this weekend, it's a little time for some diamond bets. I know, Joe, that you and Matt Stryker have your show coming up this weekend. What can we expect to see? Uh, you can expect a lot of nonsense. By the way, with that reactions in the last segment, I'd see you get involved in a little UFC. I think you might have the, uh, the quick it. twitch reflexes to get that done. But this uh, Sunday on Diamond Bets, Matt Stryker and I are moving on to the American League Central. We're doing uh, props for the individual teams there in the Central, taking a, a good examination about 
what those teams will look like now that they are potentially in half of a season. Uh, teams like the Twins, all of a sudden, big difference when you have Rich Hill for all of the potential season as opposed to half of the potential season. Things like that and how they can affect the win totals of the teams. Also, we're going to do some uh, individual home run props as well. We're slicing and dicing all those uh, season-long props in half and trying to take our best guesses at which ones we think uh, you can make some money on. So go check it out, and we're going to give you a lot of laughs. I can guarantee that you will. Uh, we don't take ourselves too seriously on that program. We're kind of like the uh, we're the fun house over here on Sports Grid for sure. Yeah, no, I, I can't. Uh, the UFC is a little bit out of my you know comfort zone. I don't know. We get your weight class. I mean, you know, I you know, you're still I mean, very I'm, very good shape, good good cardio. I yeah, mean, but I'm I'm in the Jew FC. <laughs> that, that's where I'm at. You know, we, we, we have somebody. Uh, I'm gonna going, go down. Well, I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna you go do down. It, we'll watch it. Uh, okay, that's what it is. It's like hey, you guys go fight. You we'll fight. We'll enjoy it. No, we no, won't. No, we'll no. say we're enjoying it, but we really are not. You're really not enjoying it at all. There you go. The Jew FC. Fantastic. All right, this day in fantasy sports history for the 29th of May, we start off 1980, and uh, Larry Bird wins the NBA Rookie of the Year, beating out Magic Johnson here. Mm. Very close, but um, you know, interesting. I mean, Bird statistically pretty much did have the better year, but it was very, very close. It could have gone either way, but Larry Legend ends up winning the Rookie of the Year. Celtics were... were Better team, I think, too. Yeah, always tied together, too, these two, whether it be oh. in college and the championship and then obviously those great wars in the NBA and then how they developed the friendship over the years, too. That's a, that's another great sports documentary, that story about the two of them and their friendship. Yeah, that was really good. Developed yeah. over that commercial, of all things, where they were just out in the middle of nowhere in Indiana and there's magic, like, eating at Larry's mom's table and hanging out and how that kind of changed both of them. They were still fiercely competitive with each other. Uh, the fun thing about Larry Bird is, too, he's one of these guys that even when he was young, he always looked old. He always had, like, the, the hair, the mustache. Like, that's the one thing. I look back on some of these things in the 80s, and they're like, and here's Kevin McHale, the young 25-year-old, and he looks like he's 37. I mean, the man literally looks like he's 37 years old, and I don't. What's going on here? What what has happened to us? Is it is it just the what we're eating? Is it how we're taking care of ourselves? Why did everybody back in the day always look so damn old, even when they're young? I know the mustaches didn't help, but, Craig, it's crazy. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we feel old watching it. Uh, no, because I look at these 80s baseball cards and I'm looking at a guy and he's like, oh, he's, you know, <laughs> he's 27. And you're like, this guy isn't 27. This guy totally helped me at Lowe's go get mulch the other day. He was, he's oh, a 48-year-old man. I'm just saying, like, you look at these guys, they don't look like 27-year-old young men playing baseball. And it's just, it's crazy to think about. But Larry Legend and Magic will always be tied to each other, which is a good thing, I think. Is there a difference between Lowe's and Home Depot for you? Yes, guys? yes. What uh, is that key difference? Home Depot is a little bit more for the contractors, more lumber and things like that. Lowe's, on the other hand, is a little bit more for, I would say, the design people and the people, you know, the garden stuff and things of that nature. It's a little bit more interior. I hate them both equally. So there you go. All right. Well, listen, <laughs> next time I send somebody over there, I'll ask them their opinion, too. All right, 1987, Robin Ventura set an NCAA record for a 57-game hitting streak, went on to have a great major league career, ended up the manager of the Chicago White Sox, really good player, uh, underrated as well. Uh, Mike Schmidt retired in 1989, ended up with 500-plus home runs, Joe arguably in the 80s. Uh, you know, Schmidt and Brett, Wade Boggs too, obviously, but... Um, you know, Schmidt more in the uh, 70s and 80s, I, I would suppose. But, you know, one of the just simple power third basemen of our generation. Oh, yeah. I mean, Schmidt was an incredible player, obviously. Um, just Mr. Philadelphia Philly. Another great mustachioed man. Uh, another guy that when he was 25 probably did not look 25. But, my goodness. Talk about a complete package of a player. Obviously, uh, won a championship there in 1980 with the Phillies and some very good teams there uh, back in the early 80s. And look, I mean, I went to school in Philadelphia and I lived there uh, shortly after for another year and a half or so. And uh, he even then in the 90s into the 2000s, Mike Schmidt was still like this legendary figure there. And I was there when Scott Rowland was coming up and kind of growing up in that shadow of, of Mike Schmidt at third base. Those are not easy shoes to fill of a legend. Scott Rowland was pretty damn good. But yeah, Mike Schmidt, man, certainly up there. I think most people consider him the greatest third baseman of all time, right? I mean, all around, is there an argument against it? Could be. Yeah, very well could be. You know, great defensive player. People forget how good of a defensive player he was. 
Yeah, hard to argue. I mean, if he's not number one, he's, he's. I mean, but yeah, he probably is number one. I mean, Brooks Robinson, George Brett. I mean, those are those guys didn't have the power numbers that Schmidt had. Nothing close good. to 500 home runs, like you know, like not that nature. I mean, you know, Brett had some incredible years of batting average, but I don't think you can put any of them in quite the same pantheon. Of, not with power. No, nah, not the total package now. 2010, Roy Halladay throws a perfect game against the Marlins in Miami, a final of one to nothing. People forget that game. Um, one of the few games that I was not at. I mean, I don't know why that night I was not there, but I wasn't. And um, funny enough, what uh, what happened in that game, uh, Josh Johnson had a no-hitter through seven innings right. in that same game. I forgot about that. You're right. That, that thing went right down to the end, and then uh, the Marlins – uh, after the game for the next week or two, uh, sold the unused tickets so you could have a ticket of Roy Halladay's perfect game. I'm Did sure. you? Uh, you're more. You're a baseball insider. I mean, I'm, I'm very comfortable saying that. I don't know if you're comfortable hearing that. That's fine. Until Roy Halladay's accident, I never heard rumblings of any of these things that we're all learning about now. Did Did you kind of know that, or is that kind of unspoken common knowledge in the game? Um, I never do anything about Roy Halladay. Okay. About him specifically? Yeah, about him and his addiction problems and depression No, problems I never knew a thing about it. It no. just seems like that was one of the most incredible secrets in an era where it's very difficult to keep any secrets on anyone. It just seems yeah, like his, all these his, things coming um, out, you're reading about, it's crazy. Yeah, his, his son was competing in, uh, in a tournament in West Palm Beach. I was there. Mm -hmm. uh, Roy was not there. His wife was there. Talked to her for a long time, Brandy. Um, Roy was flying his plane. My guess is this documentary, I believe that's coming out like any day now. Um, I, I believe that she tells all and she, well, I read a, I read a snippet from one of the pieces and it was stunning, you know? Yeah. Think, she's very oh, open about it. Yeah. 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 Just very difficult. And just, like I said, just kind of, kind of not the norm we're used to where most things we, you know, even though people try to keep a lid on things, they always come out nowadays. It was kind of right. one of those things where I just know it was like under the radar kind of thing. Or hard to see, but, uh, this is the ticket. Oh, there it is. Look at that. Tickets for there the you game. go. You didn't even go Everything's right, right at my disposal, right. including it. lights. It's a good thing there's including no boom mic over you. I just hope yeah. it doesn't fall niche in the head. Oh. <laughs> Who am I? What is this show I'm hosting? <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> 2017 Tiger Woods. This is a very famous arrest. I hate to do it, but I think I got to because but this this sort of changed the trajectory of sure uh, of Tiger Woods. I think when uh, when he was arrested and charged with DUI. And, uh, and then the comeback began for him, and, and it was a really good story. He ended up winning the Masters again, certainly. All right, uh, this day in fantasy sports, birthdays for May 29th. And we'll start off at 1962. Eric Davis, if there was a player that I could go back to in history that I would have guessed would have ended up being a superstar of superstars, this would have been the guy. Uh, absolutely thought he would have been, um, you know, 20 home runs, 80 stolen bases, 30 home runs, 50 stolen bases. I just, I, I thought that Eric Davis was going to be the best player in baseball. And it, it, was, it tremendous. was nowhere close. I mean, it's no, crazy. he had some great years, though. He had a great, uh, and I got lucky enough, I met him uh, later on in his career, uh, actually in a hotel in Philadelphia. My my parents were staying at, and uh, I think they were there playing the Phillies. And he was, uh, he's there and ran into him in an elevator, recognized him right away, and he was, very pleasant. Actually, he started talking to us. You know, it's just a weird thing. Like, hey, guys, how's it going? It's not something you usually hear from, like, an athlete. And we're just like, oh, my gosh, Eric Davis. And he was like, yeah. And we were talking about the he game and stuff gonna, like that. I, he was great for a few years. But a lovely man. <laughs> I thought at the end he was going to be 500 home runs. Five, I thought he was going to be Barry Bonds before Barry Bonds. Yeah, well, look, he was in that – him and Daryl Strawberry, a lot of people forget, played high school baseball together. Could you yeah, imagine that team yeah. trying to play the, the team Dodgers together? Daryl Strawberry, I know, but unfortunately it was too late for both of them. I mean, you know, yeah. gosh, what a, what a shame. Well, that was – actually, it wasn't too late for Strawberry. That was Strawberry's big contract that he signed with the Dodgers. Big contract, but not big numbers. I mean, no, Strawberry never no, got up to the, the same numbers player, he had that's, that's, no. When he went to L.A., that was a huge deal. Oh, yeah. I mean, him and Eric Davis together when they were coming up, like I said, I can't imagine what that was like to have those two guys in the same team in high school so much better than everybody else. But then – even just early in on their careers, they certainly had seasons that were memorable oh, for, sure. for sure. Fantasy seasons, unbelievable. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, let's run down the rest. 1965, Charlie Hayes was born, World Series champion, played in the big leagues for 14 years, and now his son's getting ready to make his major league debut, Kip Ryan Hayes with the Pirates. 
Uh, Sean King, 1977, came in and took over after Trent Dilfer uh, left. King was, eh, he was an okay quarterback in the NFL, played with some really good teams and really good players around him, very similar to Trent Dilfer, but didn't end up making it really long-term, uh, but a name that everybody remembers. Uh, Carmelo Anthony, born in 1984, you see the picture of him on Syracuse, of course, because Brett's producing the show. And then 1991, <laughs> Stephen Matz from New York, and part of a, a very good young pitching staff, even without Noah Syndergaard. But uh, Mets certainly, this is going to, from a pitching perspective, I think help them over the long haul. Who would have thought that, I mean, I thought that they were going to have to go through a whole season without maybe Noah Syndergaard and maybe without Zach Wheeler. And now they have a short season or nothing. Certainly yeah. Matt should be a part of that. He's going to, well, that's going to be a part back. of it. Walk is going to be a part of it. I mean, yeah. now, now that walk signing kind of looms large. Everyone's kind of going, why do you have six stars? Well, too? Yeah. Well, I always thought Por I have a lot of shares of Porcello. I thought that was a really sneaky, good little sign and get him in the national league. And it's funny. We were talking about Mike Schmidt earlier. Not anymore. That was the guy who went over to uh, actually handed the job to Charlie Hayes in 1989. When the, the baton got passed, he was the guy to take over there. He was uh, before we got to the Scott Rowland years, but a lot of people forget Charlie Hayes was the up and coming young third so baseman. So Porcello, all those shares. Now what? Yeah. Hopefully, I mean, he's going to start. We'll see. All the shows right, of every player. That's yeah. the point, see? Yeah. Well. <laughs> Got to redraft. Only way to go. We'll be back with more fantasy sports today when we come back. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. Coming up a little bit later in the show, as always, Joe and I will take a look at some futures bets in the NFL. And also, Joe and I will finally settle on a uh, futures bet of ours. The odds are actually out now for uh, for a bet that Joe and I are going to make. So either at the end of the 2020 football season, I'm going to owe Joe some money or he's going to owe me a lot. Mm -hmm. We'll figure that out that bet coming up a little bit later in the show. More likely I will owe him money, but that's a story. For yeah. I can't I can use that money. I got to buy lights. More, more likely I will lose, but I will, I will throw my dart. I want to do that. Um, I okay, will give so you a chance go. to take it back if you want, because sometimes no. we all say, things no, because I will make you pay in one lump sum. If I win. So <laughs> is that, take is that my the money? You're cutting win, because I that... will not be kind. I will not be kind. I will be like, Hey, hey, <laughs> and you know I will. Because I, I know you will. Track that, record. But I also know the, the wager you made is insane, and I'm going to, as a friend, we all say crazy things sometimes. I am sticking to it, and the day that we'll get to it later, but yeah. the day that the season ends is the day that, that either I pay you or you pay me, and there's no, there's no. Okay, you got 100, it. 100 bucks to you. Sorry. Okay, uh, season in review, 1995 NFL season. Um you know, this is when the Cowboys are like sort of starting their run. The 49ers are kind of going away. And then, of course, we get introduced to the juggernaut for about three years of the Green Bay Packers, who end up, uh, you know, really I, shockingly, I think, for a lot of people, end up taking over the world. Uh, there's a lot of debate as to how that happened. And, and look, the Packers in the 60s were clearly a great team. But we're talking about almost 40 years before they're relevant at all. And Don Mikowski had a good year, okay, and maybe two. But, Joe, the key to all of this in my mind was, and I still to this day will never forget the press conference that Reggie White had when he said, God told me to sign with the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> Nobody could believe it. And now it's commonplace. It's like, oh, yeah, the Packers, they're good. They've won some Super Bowls. They've been good for the last 20 years. They people forget they were nothing, Joe. They, for thirty years, they didn't win anything. They were never good. Maybe they had one year. Of course, every squirrel finds a nut. They were nine and seven or ten and six. I'm gonna guess one of those years. But they were six and ten, four and twelve. They were just horrible for a long time. Reggie White says, "This is where I want to be." Everybody was in disbelief. It would have been the biggest story of the year in the NFL if it was them. Yeah, it's and that was definitely the beginning of that. And this is also the beginning where we talked about yesterday the 94 baseball strike and how when they came back eventually in 95, sort of the 
you know, the gleam was off the rose or whatever you, and it seemed like the NFL started to go past it. And part of it was because of incredible personalities like Reggie White and incredible personalities like Brett Favre, who was MVP that year. And uh, I think Brett Favre is one of those, like that young quarterback that kind of captured everybody on a national level. He had the respect of all the other players. He was such a weird anomaly because you had a guy that would get the crap kicked out of him behind the line of scrimmage and then he would get up and pick up the guy that just knocked the crap out of him and hit him on the head or slap him on the butt and send him on his way and i don't think people ever realized they're like what what's going on here and i feel like that sort of became the beginning of a lot of these characters that started to enter the nfl at that time there's also when the cowboys were very good too so you had those cowboy teams with emmett smith and troy aikman and michael irvin lots of big personalities obviously brett Favre too and i think the personalities of football started to emerge and the personalities of baseball started to change. There was a lot of introverted personalities in baseball, people less, less characters, less wackiness and a lot more, well, talk to my agent kind of stuff or, well, you know, we're doing that. And all of a sudden it seemed like football was the place where you were, you were kind of getting sucked into the personalities and baseball kind of got hurt from that a little bit. And I think this is kind of that dividing line. And speaking of those Cowboys, Emmett Smith, leading the league in points that year, something usually a kicker does, <laughs> but in scoring, yeah, he was actually Emmett Smith. scoring machine. 150 points scored that year. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that is an incredible much. thing. 25 touchdowns by Emmett 25. Smith. I mean, how about that? Now, that's one that we don't have to debate. That's not happening again. That's fine. That, well, I mean, that when you look can, at scoring that leaders, one I can agree to. When you look at scoring leaders, typically you go, oh, look, there's, you know, there's the kicker or whatever it is. But when you can see the running back up there, 25 touchdowns, that is – Unbelievable. The, the rushing touchdown leader now could have 12 or 13. I mean, well, yeah, it's possible. 25? 25. 25. He also had 1,773 yards that year. It was an Emmett Smith season. Even though Brett Favre did win the MVP, it was really, I mean, all about Emmett that year. And obviously, we talked about that that run that the Cowboys had and that new dynasty. And maybe that's part of it too. How much do you put into the the stock? And I know some people will laugh at it and say, "Oh, they're not America's team," but. There was a lot of holdover Cowboy fans from the 70s that when they were good again yeah, in the 90s. Still now. No, and there still, still are now. Look, they, you could say they're not America's team, and maybe for a, a short period of time they were the Saints. And the Saints have really, because of Hurricane Katrina and everything that happened, they have really moved to, I think, the second favorite team. Uh, really? And, but, but, the, but the Cowboys. I've heard anyone say that before. I, oh, yeah. Yeah. That, that was, there was, there's a lot of Saints love. You, you, who doesn't I like the, the Saints? Saints? You're right. I do like the Saints, but I never Doesn't heard anybody like, put it that and, way. But you didn't really like the Saints before that. Uh, well, I, mean, I always like Drew Brees because he's a short guy. I like the short guys. Eh, what am I going to say? Yeah, but, <laughs> you know, they, they came back and then they blocked the punt, Steve Gleason. And it's, oh, like, yeah. it, you, it's impossible to not like them. So I, I agree. But I but agree. but the, the point spreads, the odds, there are a few teams that are just – I mean, you really have to have a strong conviction to bet on in, mm-hmm. in, in sports with a few teams. The Cowboys are one of them. The Cowboys are a team that the odds makers know more people are going to bet them than bet against them. And right. because of that, you're paying a tax on the Dallas Cowboys, which Great is point. why in the contest that we have, we very rarely will use Dallas. It's just... There's always and they're horrible against the spread. I mean, they are not good. No. The other team that's like that, and it's year to year. It's cyclical. There could be some great years. You're always paying a tax on Notre Dame, no matter what. Right, of course. You're, of course. People love to bet Notre Dame. People mm-hmm. will walk into a casino. You're there with your wife. They've never bet on sports in their life. They look at the board for college football. They see all the names. Oh, twenty dollars. Notre Dame. I mean, it's it's commonplace that happens. And now the other team that has come into uh, paying that tax, like Dallas, like Notre Dame, and this is only within the last decade, is Alabama. That's the other team that mm-hmm. you're now paying a tax on because of how good they've been, and it's Nick Saban. Um, but, um, you know, I know that you would think New England, but not really. I mean, Oh, New no, England, no. New England is hated. I'm, I'm yeah, well aware New, of New that. New England people like to bet against, so there's a lot of people against them, mm-hmm. too. Now, New England, you're paying – you've you paid the tax on them in the, play, in, the, uh, in the regular season, but in the playoffs, they've been horrible against the spread. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it goes both ways, but really never the Patriots. It's always been yeah. Dallas because mm-hmm. uh, there's so many fans of Dallas, Notre Dame, and now Alabama. In the last yeah, year. and you had, like I said, the, the Dallas rivalry with San Francisco in those mid-90s were, were just, that was red hot. 
you had like you, you know you had some great moments. Jerry Rice was still going strong. He had 1,848 receiving yards. So Jerry Rice with Steve Young still at the pinnacle of Jerry Rice. Uh, some incredible stuff there. Another great personality, another huge star in the NFL. And all these stars were uh, really emerging. You know, after that run, you know, towards the end with the Bills here, you start to get the Steelers were good again under Bill Cowher. The Cowboys were good again. All of a sudden, John Elway goes on a run of a couple Super Bowls, the Green Bay Packers. It's like all these massive stars and these these big time organizations all of a sudden, these historic organizations all got really good really quickly. And and all of a sudden had really good runs. We're getting to Super Bowls. And that kind of, I think, came back into the consciousness for everybody. Uh, awards that year, we talked about Brett Favre being MVP. Coach of the year was Ray Rhodes of the Eagles, if you can believe that. Uh, obviously, oh, Offensive Player of the it. Year was also Brett Favre. Uh, defensive uh, Player of the Year was Bryce Pop of the Buffalo Bills, who I recall. Uh, off, yeah, Offensive Rookie of the Year, one of my favorite players of all time. One of my first favorite Patriots, Curtis Martin. Uh, phenomenal running back and defensive rookie of the year was Hugh Douglas. So pretty good two players right there went on to have some pretty good careers in those two rookies. Yeah. And, and Curtis Martin in particular was a very, very nice, still is a very, very nice individual, a great man has a great family and, um, you know, basically left and followed Parcells to New York. Little did he know Parcells will be gone in a couple of years, but I think that more people remember Curtis Martin as a jet than a Patriot. Well, that's sad. Because he was a hell of a patriot for so? a couple of years. Um, I, th I, I think, I think it depends where you're from. I mean, as a patriot okay. fan, I remember him as a patriot. Thing with as a patriot, uh, they got to the uh, championship. Never won a, did he ever win a Super Bowl with New England? I'm trying to remember who's on that team with Parcells, the one that lost to Green Bay. Yes, he was. He was on that team that lost. Uh, to Green Bay. To they, never the next year. they never won it. They never won it. So he did get to yeah. a Super Bowl. Well, he I never got the Super Bowl. I think that's part of why. Yeah. yeah. But um, you go to uh, the coaching uh, aspects in 1995, too. Here's one for you. Denver Broncos uh, replaced Wade Phillips with one Mike Shanahan. And the Mike Shanahan era begins over there with John Elway. And I guess, as they say, the rest is history. You have a couple of pretty good years there <laughs> for, for Mike Shanahan getting to two yeah, Super Bowls. Probably get in the Hall of Fame eventually. Uh, absolutely. Also, the draft that year had some uh, intriguing names. The first pick, unfortunately, was Kajana Carter, who... We all know got hurt in a preseason game and unfortunately the career was over. But Tony Baselli, Steve McNair went two and three overall. Kerry Collins went on to have a very long career in the NFL. People don't realize how long Kerry Collins was a decent quarterback in the NFL, including getting to the Super Bowl with the Giants. And Kerry Collins was Kajana Carter's teammate, Penn State, during that time, yeah. too. He went number five overall and Warren Sapp, number 12. Uh, pretty good draft following, obviously, Derek Brooks with Tampa. So Tampa in that draft, took Warren Sapp at 12, Derek Brooks at 28. I would say that's a pretty big win. And you can see why a couple of years later, they were a team contending for a Super Bowl as well. Yes, they had a lot of other really good defensive players, though, too. They had um, Rondé John Marvin. Lynch. <laughs> yeah, they, they had a, a lot of really, really good players. Uh, Hardy Nickerson was at the end of his career when all this was going on. They also had uh, Chidi Ahanatu, if I'm not mistaken. It's fascinating um, when you we've gone it a couple of times in some of these drafts and these seasons, and you see when a team hits in the first round on two players, how 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 obviously that just launches a team, uh, that just absolutely launches a team. And and Derek Brooks and Warren Sapp, my goodness, you know, doesn't get too much better than that in the same in the same first it round. Staggering. Warren Sapp, not a likable guy. No, I would agree with it, that. I have a very short list of that, and he would be on the list of not very likable. I can I can understand why. Unfortunately, not coming. Yelled at my cameraman one time. Why are you videoing me? Him walking off the field. Why are you videoing? <laughs> I don't know. Did you play practice. <laughs> like, yeah, the cameraman just... was shook. Man, he was like, oh, he doesn't like me. I'm like, this isn't the same cameraman who was dancing on the car, right? This was a different no, guy. No, a different guy. Okay, good. Because <laughs> <Completely different> <laughs> then I could see what are you doing? Like he's yelling at that cameraman. That, there's no way that guy is still a cameraman. The first guy. No way. <laughs> Dancing oh, with the Gators players. But there we go. We were talking about yesterday. Being running around with a mic, 20-something years old, like trying to interview someone. I have no cameraman. <laughs> it's like, are you sure you have a show there, son? <laughs> People looking at you like you're crazy. I remember going, what are you doing, man? Oh, my gosh. Oh, jeez. Yeah. When you're young and in the business, it happens. All right. Uh, now that we're old, we got to take a break. <gasps> we'll be back in just a couple minutes here on Sports Grid on Fantasy Sports today. Don't go away. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. We've got the MLB June Draft coming up on the 10th. We dove into some of the great players and players that didn't work out in that draft. We're going to also handle football today. Uh, Just a quick note from late yesterday, the governor of Texas essentially said, Joe, that uh, not only can football have fans in the stands, but when baseball opens back up, potentially in July, they'll allow a certain capacity of baseball fans to be there as well. And by the way, this is effective for the month of June. So that's coming up here in a couple of days. Whether or not that's the right or wrong decision, I'll leave that for everyone else to fight out there. But this is certainly a good sign if they're allowing fans back there. It probably will also open up a whole new round of baseball negotiations. Because <laughs> let's 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 find the parks where we can put the fans in and make the money there too. So. Yeah, but you know, will, will fans go to see? I don't know the Rays play the the Orioles in Texas. Like, does anybody care about that in Texas? No, I'm just saying for it, it's good news for the Astros franchise. Sure, absolutely for the regional. Yeah, no, I'm not talking about that. Not no, talking about like that. if you're not doing hub city kind of things, yeah. Then I <clears throat> look. Let's hope that they have informed decisions that they're making with CDC guidelines and all the things that are getting put out there, <clears throat> which is very important right now. So, I mean, we can only hope that those decisions are being made in a very responsible manner. Um, We don't know the ins and outs of those conversations, but I think this is all the trend right now. You're seeing Disney reopen. You're seeing uh, Universal Studios reopen. Are you going to go now or are you canceling? No, No, I did cancel. It's very unfortunate. Uh, Just the, the difficulty to get there and then get into the park. Plus, also, there's some restrictions on certain days, I think, where it's Florida residents only. So it was just going to be very difficult to do. So hopefully next year, same time, we just kind of reboot the trip. Or who knows? Maybe maybe later on in the year. Probably not during football season, unfortunately. Things get really busy around this house. But, um, yeah, it's a bummer. So I told you we're doing the staycation house. Putting all the money into the exterior. We got the pool open. Went in the pool for the first time yesterday. Very exciting. Of course, it was... A little on the chilly side, 72 degrees, it's a little, little chilly for the water, but still. Give it another week. <clears throat> yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. We give it another week, but we got to some new furniture outside, some new stuff. We're going to make the most of it like everybody's out there is trying to do. So just kind of take the vacation money and say, all right, let's spruce up the outside, make it feel like a fun place, do some things out there. And I think that's a, it's a fun thing to do. But I know yesterday we were really talking about uh, having the entire board to yourself as a general manager in baseball for the last, we went through all the way from 1980 and how many times people got it wrong. The whole board, you can have any player you want and you got it wrong. And I would say, I would say it was a 33%. You hit on somebody really good. 33% you hit on somebody decent and 33% chance that you hit on. Well, you just got hit, I guess maybe. So I was curious if it's the same thing in the NFL. So you feel like going down the rabbit hole with me? Yeah, sure, and I and I can tell you that uh, the hit percentage is is more or less the same, maybe a little bit higher percentage in the NFL, but not by a lot. All right, well, let's go with the 1980s. Let's start there. 1980, Billy Sims, obviously a, a pretty good career there. Uh, George Rogers, then Kenneth Sims. So get your Sims straight. Then in '83, we have John Elway, Irving Fryer, Bruce Smith, Bo Jackson, Vinny Testaverde, Andre Bruce, Troy Aikman. So. When it comes yeah. to getting the quarterbacks right, I think between Elway and uh, Troy Aikman and even Vinny Testaverde, I think I, I think all these all picks right. were good. Yeah, I, I would mean, agree. I, I mean, the only bad pick was Bo Jackson, and the Buccaneers were not only a doormat on the field; they were a doormat as a franchise. They were run very poorly, and and I know that I, I don't think that that will ever happen again. Like Eli Manning was sort of the last player to kind of force his hand out of a certain place. So he was taken uh, somewhere else. But I would tell you that the Buccaneers should never have taken Bo Jackson. It was one of those things where he, told them. <laughs> he should, <laughs> he said, they should have it. not done it. They should have known. They should have put themselves in a better position. Um, it's not something, look, the chargers wanted to take Eli Manning, you know, but you realize you're, you're at the, at the mercy of a player and there's nothing you could do. They knew Bo Jackson had some other options, including baseball. 
Um, I don't think that that's going to ever happen again because now with the egos of these players, they want that prestige of being the number one pick in the NFL draft. Um, yeah. But this was a massive mistake by by. Well, Tampa. it was also just a, a it's a terrible thing that they did to Bo Jackson, where they knew exactly what they were doing by putting him on that plane. They told him it was okay to come do the visit. Turned out it wasn't okay. It cost him his baseball season. He found out basically in the middle of a practice. He basically broke. He says he broke down and cried. He couldn't believe it. he was so sad because he couldn't help his teammates. Could be part of that team because basically Tampa didn't want him playing baseball and possibly getting hurt. I feel like Tampa should have been stripped of that number one pick. I think that was a terrible thing that they did. They lied to this kid. And, of course, in the middle 80s, it's very difficult to convince everybody, hey, look, uh, I didn't really – I didn't know. I really didn't know. And and basically they were kind of trying to laugh all the way and force their hand. And Bo Jackson called their bluff and went and played baseball, which a lot of people think was crazy that he was going to do that. And then he did. And then, of course, Al Davis later on did take him with that – supplemental pick he had later on. He said, hey, let's do it. Let's take a flyer. And of course, the rest is history. Um, yeah, I would yeah. say the 80s were pretty good. This was almost like a yeah, all, 80% all the picks were there. Rate. Billy Sims never was as good in the NFL as he was in college. He's one of the greatest college running backs Andre of all Bruce, time. maybe not as much either. A couple good uh, years. That was the only bust pick. Yeah, but real I mean, bust pick. Yeah, that Bruce was Smith, Hall bust. of Famer, John Elway, Hall no, of Famer. All the rest are fine. Uh, Troy Aikman, fine. Hall of Famer. Pretty good group there. Um, all good. Irving Fryer also. Underrated. Listen, great, great receiver. Great receiver. Uh, he does Fine. not get nearly enough credit. All right, let's go to the 90s. See how uh, general managers are. A, a little different this go it's, it's still a little crazier here. This is where things get a little wide open. So 1990, we have Jeff George. Obviously, some up and down seasons for Jeff George. Certainly not the season, not the player that they wanted when they drafted no, him. Definitely not. Yeah. And, and uh, it didn't work out for him at all there. 1991 was Russell Maryland, number one overall. It was, it was not a great draft in 91. Russell Maryland was like a de facto number one player. Steve Etman, uh, another Terrible. player. Terrible. Uh, but wasn't that more about injuries? Wasn't he? He actually Could had be. a lot of injuries. Could be, but we call it what it is. I mean, it was it's true. It did not work out. Uh, Drew Bledsoe, I would say did work out. It was a very good pick. Oh, Got them to a Super Bowl, obviously. Yeah. You know, Excellent player. Uh, Dan Wilkinson, big daddy. No good. No good. Kajana Carter. And this was no back-to-back good. years for the Bengals, too. They had the number one like pick in Kajana, 94. very good guy, lives in South Florida, but well, it not work out. It's tough when you're the Bengals and you have back-to-back years with the number one pick, and both years it doesn't work out. And people wonder why the Bengals keep, you know, spinning their wheels every year. Keyshawn yeah. Johnson at 96. Ah, this is one of Brett's favorites here, I'm sure. Uh, Keyshawn had a good career, I would say. He did. Uh, Probably shouldn't have been the number one pick overall that year, but— that. Ended up having a really good career in the NFL. Orlando Pace, I think Hall that worked out. Hall of Famer, Peyton Manning, ninety-eight, Hall of Famer. and then Tim Couch. So, really, the nineties. This is more like twenty-five percent. I mean, you got Peyton Manning and Orlando Pace, Drew Bledsoe, and then a lot of in between. This was this was the nineties were rough for number one picks. I think it's safe to say. Would you agree? Yeah, not not very good. We're about fifty-fifty on it. You got uh, two Hall of Famers out of there. And um, with the number one pick overall, you're hoping for a higher percentage of Hall of Famers. You have to. Yeah. Or, I mean, look, I mean, Drew Bledsoe, not a Hall of Famer, but Drew Bledsoe got you to a Super Bowl. So, and, and Keyshaw Johnson yeah, was but, good. But for, you're at a 20% hit rate on superstars. That's not good. No, it's not <laughs> good when you have all board. So the 80s were good. GMs in the 80s the doing 80s a good job. Good. GMs in the 90s, eh, not so and much. And the, the 80s, by the way, the picks, again, I mean, you go back to George Rogers and Billy Sims, those guys came out of college as the number one guy. Like, they mm-hmm. were superstars in college. I get why they were picked, but there were some ba- actually bad picks in the 90s. Yeah. Well, of course, John Elway being the number one pick, but that was also traded, so it's a little bit more complicated there yeah. in terms of that one, too. I don't know if we could really call that because what they ended up getting for that number one pick was not exactly John Elway. Uh, going through the 2000s here, Courtney Brown, probably more famous. I don't for even know who that is. Well, wasn't he the, the fellow who got hit with the flag in the eye? Remember that? No, Remember definitely that? not. That was not him. No. I thought that was Courtney Brown. I could be wrong no, there. I'm absolutely sorry. Absolutely not. No. Okay. Who was that? Do you remember? It may have been a guy named Brown, but I but I think it was Andre Brown. Okay. Man, I was, I was growing I up by Browns who played for the Browns. I got hit. I was okay. a different guy, I believe. Maybe, right. You know what? Maybe, maybe you are right and I'm wrong on this one, but I, I don't. I don't remember this guy. All right. Who got hit by the flag? There you go. If you're on Twitter right now, you can tweet us right through there. Um, 2001, Michael Vick, where the NFL has changed, right? You saw some quarterbacks go. You saw some, you know, defensive players, wide receivers, all these things. All of a sudden, we get to the 2000s, and what happens? Quarterback, 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 five straight years in a row before we get to Mario Williams. Yeah. Uh, so and, and, and that's, you know, the trend. And I think that, look, I mean, Carr, 
I mean, we'll really never know because he had the worst offensive line in the history of the NFL for two years. Mm -hmm. But it seems like he just never recovered from that. Carson Palmer could get in the Hall of Fame. Carson Palmer had a great career. Ah, yeah, yeah, I think he's a, he's a Hall of Famer. Eli Manning's a Hall of Famer. Alex Smith has had a really good career and with several different teams. I'm fine with that. Um, you know, Mario Williams is the interesting one because it's, I remember, I think it was with um, uh, with Ranieri. Like, it, I, I don't remember Mario Williams being taken or playing well. Like, I, I just, I, I don't have memories of him for some reason. I, I, I don't either. I must, I, I'm right there with you. Uh, none of us have a blind spot for Jamarcus Russell, who went number one in 07. That Jake Long in 08, Matthew Stafford in 09 to close out the aughts. So, uh, so yeah, it was, oh, the Reggie Bush draft. That's what Brett Levy said. So, right, Re Mario Williams went one, Reggie Bush went two. That's right. And that was the big debate of who was, if Reggie Bush was going to go one overall or not. So, uh, clearly, the 2000s start off really good when he took quarterbacks, and then it got a little crazy. Oh, and Vince Young, too. Yeah. That's right. Jake Long, not a, not a great first pick either. No, no, probably not. Uh, and then, of course, you know, the previous decade leading up to uh, where we are now, uh, you have Sam Bradford, Cam Newton, Andrew Luck, Eric Fisher, Jadavion Clowney. Who is Eric James, Fisher? Uh, I do not remember an Eric Fisher. 2013 what? Eric Fisher. That's what it says here. I've got it right the here. First pick in the NFL draft? Uh, Eric Fisher? 2013. I don't know who that is. I, I, is he an wow. offensive lineman? I can only imagine. Oh, yeah, wow. offensive I, tackle. I mean, I, I, mean I, I, feel, I feel like I shouldn't be hosting this show not knowing, but I mean. I, I, well, I this is now is. Fantasy Sports Today with Joe Pizzapia. I'll tell you who the new uh, co-host is. Because you don't know who he is either. I don't, but <laughs> but I think that happens to some yeah, of us. This entire list of draft picks in the last 30 years, this is the only one that I have no idea who this is. Yeah. Uh, if if I asked you, like, did he take play a stab, in the NFL? Was he, I don't is know. he good? Is he bad? I have. I don't no know. Idea. It seems like a conversation. Like, <laughs> we should have a whole segment. Brett, is he good? Is he a good player? CMU Chippewa. Play? He played. I I don't know. Um, is he on the Chiefs now? Did he win the Super Bowl with them? <laughs> I don't think he's still on there eight years Honestly, later. Honestly, I have no idea who he is. Uh, wow. Underachieved, clearly. Uh, and of I course, looked at it and I thought it was a typo. Look, last couple of years, Winston, Goff, Miles Garrett, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray. So again, we've started to click back to those quarterbacks going one overall as the game is continuously evolving. And, and this decade looks really bad, by the way. As I was going to say, this this decade, not shaping up pretty good. I mean, Andrew not Luck, really good outside of that, the rest of these, not very good at all. So... It looks no, like, like the hit rate 80s. may be a little bit higher than baseball, but not much. Bring back some of the old GMs of the '80s. Looks like that talent evaluation system was going pretty well back then, before all the all the metrics and all the measurables. Maybe old school, just watching. Is, is there even a player outside of Cam Newton in the last ten years that you could say is a is a superstar? Well, Andrew Luck was, but he's retired right. now. Uh, so like oh, right now in the NFL. No, I mean Clowney's not a superstar None. in the NFL to me. Garrett maybe the closest. I mean, I'm not giving up on Baker Mayfield yet, but it wasn't no, a but good man, second year. It changed from one year. That's yeah. All right, we'll be back with more fantasy sports today in just a couple of minutes. Don't go away. Craig and Joe back with you here on this Friday. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.